Droppables Playbook, a football podcast. With your hosts, Ashley and Michael, please sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Undroppables Playbook, a football podcast presented by the Undroppables, sponsored by Analyst Depot. I'm one of your hosts, Ashley. This is my lovely co-host, Michael Duncan. How are you tonight? Sad. And wishing yeah. I was dancing in a corner on my own. I know. It, Phillies, uh, that was such a heartbreak <laughs> for my, for me. Lifelong bandwagon, month-old bandwagon fan. Tough. I'm just used to it. <laughs> I know, just... I texted him. I texted Duncan and I said, I'm sorry for your loss. I said, it's fine, I'm used to it. Typical. Yep. Yep. Typical. Yep, it's fine. Well, now you got you get some basketball back. Football's no, good. I don't uh, want basketball back. I've been, I was counting on the Phillies to make it easier to ignore the Sixers. Yeah, they're just a shit show that I don't want to acknowledge. James no. Harden came back to the team, and guess what? Today, actually, go back home. We don't want you here. You need to ramp up more. I, I hate, I hate it here. Yes. Go birds. Anyway, thank you for uh, sticking with us. Even though we were off last week, I was a uh, in concussion protocol and banged my head. So I'm back. We're back. Let's talk some week seven football. As always, we'll get it started with the news. Broncos safety Kareem Jackson was suspended four games for his hit on defenseless receiver tight end Luke Musgrave. It in the game was called a necessary roughness and he was ejected at the time. It's the second time this season that he was in eject- he was ejected for an illegal hit. His suspension was later amended to two games upon appeal. The NFL is investigating the Falcons. They're asking questions about their injury report compliance, specifically about running back Bijan Robinson, who the team said was dealing with something. Um, Arthur Smith tried to say it was a head injury at one point, but then used him at the end of the game, which would also be an issue so we don't really know anyway the nfl is investigating their compliance with the how you have to fill out your injury report in the past people who have who have violated the rules about that end up getting fined i'm gonna jump around a little bit i'm gonna keep that next point last because we want to have a conversation with that uh chiefs wide receiver justin ross was arrested in kansas city on charges of domestic violence and property damage his bond was set at twenty five hundred dollars he'll be back in court on december 5th it looks like his charges are misdemeanors now that he like in court he was originally booked on felony damage because the damage was over twenty five thousand dollars worth of damage saints wide receiver chris Olave was arrested for reckless driving where he was going 35 miles an hour over the speed limit when he was getting arrested, he said, I'm on the Saints, man. They said, and? <laughs> yeah, a bad look. Yeah. Um, Lions wide receiver Marvin Jones is stepping away from the team. He's citing some family reasons. The Lions released him today. The Miami Dolphins will be the team being followed by hard knocks in season this season. Browns defensive end Miles Garrett purchased a minority stake in the Cleveland, Cla- Cleveland Cavaliers. Sean yeah. McVay had his baby they were worried for a while that sean McVay was going to need to uh miss a game like the last two weeks they were like are you gonna have to miss a game anyway him and his wife have welcomed a new baby mcveigh to the family the let's jump back up here first colts owner jim irisay 
said he got on a call with the NFL after some mishaps at the end of the game. And the NFL admitted to not making the correct calls at the end of the Colts-Brown game this Sunday. Earsay in his tweet is calling for instant replay for all all calls, including penalties in the last two minutes of the game. This is just the latest in a long string of issues the NFL is having with officiating the past few seasons, uh, again in a spotlight this season with how bad some of the calls are. Bill Belichick made some comments about it, calling the the refereeing in his game, his win over the Bills, unusual, where several flags were thrown and picked up, and Bill Belichick made comments about why are you even throwing those in the first place. So coaches are being fairly open about their disdain for the current state of refereeing in the NFL. Um, I want to have a, a little conversation about that because that is uh, at the forefront of most people's minds right now. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. It's just not mm-hmm. good. It's it's yeah. a horrible product, and it's mm-hmm. really, in my opinion, it's so fixable, and all they need to do is just try something. They refuse mm-hmm. to really try anything unless something gets a lot of attention, which is just annoying. And even then, it's like, you know, they say, okay, we're going to focus very hard on this one thing. Meanwhile, they still can't figure out that, hey, the Eagles aren't offsides on a tush push. That's actually Jason Kelsey's hand, not Landon Diggerson. Like, okay, yeah. total donuts. Like, figure this out. It's, it's very frustrating because nobody wants the game to come down to the refs. No. But same like and, and I do understand from their point of view, it, it is a hard line to walk. You don't want the game. You don't want to make it about you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if it's egregious and obvious, like you need to make the call. And I think most people would agree with that. They're just there's I think the biggest issues are there's no accountability whatsoever. Yes. You know, if a player makes a mistake, if a coach makes a mistake, first of all, depending on the mistake, maybe they get fined or mm-hmm. they're being asked about it in news conferences for the next week. The refs sometimes have to answer one question, I'm pretty sure, and that's it. It doesn't matter what they say. There's one referee, and I believe, like, the pool of NFL reporters sends one reporter. So they don't have to answer, like, an entire pool of questions. They're, like, prearranged questions that they can ask, and they're allowed to, like, prep for it and come into the meeting to have their answers lined up. There you go. Yep. It's it's dumb. It's it's There's no accountability, uh, and there's no consistency whatsoever. Um, I really think what they need to do is like, it's a simple, like what's frustrating is I've seen the XFL do it and they've done it better Mm -hmm. like that. That's what's frustrating. The NFL is the biggest, one of the biggest sports conglomerates in the world. And they can't figure Mm -hmm. this out. The XFL is, you know, it's already folded like two and a half times Mm -hmm. and they had it figured out in the seven weeks worth of a season that they played in 2020. Um, just have someone on standby at all time, whether it's a sky judge, whether it's a guy in a booth that's reviewing all of these penalties. Like I, I just, I want to see them do something, try something because it's so frustrating when these problems have been happening for how many seasons and there's no accountability. There's no change. It's always, we're going to try and focus on this one thing a little bit more and then they do. And then sometimes it matters. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I really liked what the XFL did where they 
were very transparent yep. in their process. Like they showed you the footage that the refs were watching yep. um, and let you listen in on the conversations that the refs were having with each other. I think even just the transparency makes it a little bit better, right? Like 100%. at the end of the day, they don't, the NFL does not use a lot of technology in refereeing. It's something that people have argued about for years and the NFL doesn't seem to show an interest in changing to incorporate more technology. So if this is the way it is, then these people are human and mistakes happen. But the, the I think the transparency in itself makes it a better product because, because then you at least understand can, where they're coming from. The reasoning yes, behind it. You can hear the reasoning. Exactly. Instead, in your head, it's like. These guys have money on the game. These guys, you know, the NFL wants a specific outcome. Like maybe it's not the refs, but the NFL wants a more interesting product game wise. The, you know, they want it to go to overtime. They want all of this stuff. So having the transparency, I think helps. I, I don't know the, the two calls that were in the Colts Browns game were something else. They something were bad. else. Uh, so I can understand your side on Amari Cooper or against, against the Colts yeah. on Amari Cooper on Amari was Cooper. not good. Um, it didn't even seem like it altered Amari Cooper's route whatsoever, slowed him down whatsoever. Like, did he touch him past five yards? Yeah. I don't see it as a like something that really altered the play. Uh, and then, watch yeah. it in slow-mo. He didn't even miss a half step. Like, yeah. his pace was entirely <laughs> consistent. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very frustrating. It's it extremely is. frustrating for fans that... And I get it. It's not an easy job. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to have the job, but... It's up to the NFL to do something about it, and they refuse. And I don't think it's as simple as like in the MLB, especially you know postseason baseball just happening. I'm watching a lot more of it. Just have robot robot umps. It's not that mm-hmm. hard. It, that's a very easy fix. The NFL doesn't have that easy of a fix, but yes. they still have a lot of capabilities at their disposal that they could be doing, that they could be using to make this process better and more enjoyable I mean, even, and more watchable. Even the incorporating technology aspect, the Steelers towards the end of the game had a Kenny Pickett QB sneak that was Russ declared as a first down. Yeah. I believe the Rams tried to challenge it, were denied. It it really does not look like a first down. It does not yeah. seem like the ball crosses at any point. That is something technology can help with. Like small, tiny sensors that don't yeah. we we keep sensors in pads and helmets and in gloves. Like just put a tiny little sensor on ball. I don't know. Yeah, Crazy. and it's like it's it, it, uh, like I've I've long not totally agreed with that sentiment, only because the tough part of it sometimes is seeing when someone actually goes down and under yes. that huddle. Like you just it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where the ball is if he's reaching it out after he's down. I'm sure there's a solution to that. I'm not mm-hmm. smart. Like I'm <laughs> not in charge of this technology for a reason. I'm sure there's a solution, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. They they just they refuse to make things that would make the game seemingly better because yep. they think it'll take away from the product where really like you just need to integrate it in a way that's quick. And yes. Quick and or transparent. And I think both of them would make a better product than whatever the heck we're getting right now, which is bad. Trash. Yep. Agreed. Um the trade deadline is looming. That deadline is October thirty first. We did Halloween. see trade halloween spooky we did see a trade the titans trade all pro defensive back kevin byard to the philadelphia eagles the eagles in return are sending a 2024 fifth and sixth and safety terrell edmonds eagles man thoughts 
it's a great Fleeced. trade. It's a great, it's a, it's a great trade. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Howie Roseman loves doing these uh, deadline deals, dating back to the 2017 season where they traded for Jay Jai at the deadline. Most of them have not been hits. Um, so like every time Howie makes a trade, everyone's like, oh my God, it's Howie time. Like, you know, he's, he's doing it. Uh, the JHI thing worked out great. Led to a Super Bowl. Uh, he was a great asset to that team. Uh, the ones following that it was golden Tate. <laughs> didn't really work out. I didn't see the point of it when it happened. Um, yeah. it didn't really make sense to me. Jannard Avery. Do you even know who that is? And that should be everything. We traded a fourth for him that it didn't make any sense at the time. Never made sense. He was one of my least favorite players because every time I looked at him, I saw a fourth round pick that <laughs> was not worth Didn't trading a fourth round pick for. Um, and then last year was uh, the guy whose name is escaping me right now. The um, pass rusher from the Bears uh, who looked cooked. And guess what? He was cooked. That one I give a little more credence to because he was a year removed from a 20 sack Robert Quinn, a year removed ah. from a 20 sack season on a bad team. And it was more of a luxury thing. It was, you know, we already have really good pass rushers. If this guy can get us a little extra juice. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of those were misses with the exception of JJ. This one is he's going to walk in and be a starter. Um, he's going to be paired up with Reed Blankenship, who is currently injured, but we'll be back. And safety goes from something that they have been decimated at and has been very bad to mm-hmm. one of the better safety duos in the league. Kevin mm-hmm. Byard hasn't missed a game in his eight-year career. Reed Blankenship is currently the number nine number nine ranked safety per PFF. He's been awesome. Um, undrafted rookie in his second year. Uh, both of them came from Middle Tennessee State University. Very odd. Mm. Uh, and Kevin Byard also was born and raised in Philadelphia. Looked up to Brian Dawkins. Uh, so and Allen Iverson. So yeah, it's uh it's a slam dunk. And by the way, the fifth and sixth they gave up to get him was less than they had to pay for most of those other trades. Yeah. Um, I don't care about Terrell Edmonds. He was very bad. I just so, liked the video of him at the Phillies game. That was really nice, but I refuse to acknowledge the Phillies anymore. Um but yeah, it's I it's, will it's, say it's for me, it's they're shoring up a spot where they needed a little bit of help, which is not, they don't have many spots like that on this roster skill positions, offense and defensive line, uh, pass rush all have been very well. They have had down games, but personnel wise are short up and good to go. Yep. Safety and secondary. They needed a little bit of extra help with, and this kind of locks that up too, and puts me in a position where I say, okay, I don't think they need, much more depth or much more improvement skill wise in any of these positions. Assuming health, your defensive backs are now Reed Blankenship, Kevin Byard, James Bradbury and Darius Slay at cornerback, mm-hmm. both pro bowl, all pro guys. Yeah. Uh, the only question mark is really at slot cornerback, which they're probably just going to keep doing by committee. Uh, Eli mm-hmm. Ricks had some nice moments, an undrafted rookie, Sidney Brown, who was a third round pick safety. Uh, he's probably going to get in there a little bit. Uh, he's an athletic freak. So, yeah, there's a question mark there. But Kevin Byard means that you don't have to worry. Of, like, they were playing Makai Gardner, an undrafted rookie who had literally never taken snaps at safety before in the NFL or in mm-hmm. practice. They were playing him at safety. So yeah. that tells you what you need to know. Yeah. Awesome. And last little bit of information. Y'all tell us about it. 
but four, one in five teams won this week. It is the first time since week seven of 2013 that four teams with one or less wins entering week seven won in the same week. That's from NFL Research. I read it in an article by Kevin Patra at NFL.com. Our players of the week on offense are Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. He had a 77.8 completion percentage, 357 and three touchdowns, and a 155.8 passer rating. On defense, that's Browns defensive end Miles Garrett, who recorded nine tackles, two sacks, and two forced fumbles. He has not missed a step. And special teams is Browns kicker Dustin Hopkins, who went seven for seven on his kicks, three extra points, four field goals. In the NFC, on offense, it's Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown, who recorded 10 receptions for 137 yards and the game-winning touchdown. On defense, it's Viking safety Cameron Bynum, who had nine tackles and two interceptions on Monday Night Football. For special teams, it's the automatic Falcons kicker Young Way Koo. He had one extra point and was three for three on field goals, one from 51 yards, after which he did a helmet flip. <laughs> Did you see the video of that? I did took not. Off his hel- he took off his helmet and like flipped it like it was like a bat flip. It was pretty funny. Fair enough. Anyway, on to the 15-second frenzy. Want to remind us what it is, Duncan? I will spend 15 seconds going over each of the NFL games from last week. Ashley will time me, make sure I don't go over too much, uh, and I will tell you whatever I want about them. Awesome. Ready, set, go. Jacksonville versus New Orleans. With doubts surrounding Trevor Lawrence's availability, the Jaguars took control of this game early, and Lawrence didn't seem to be too bothered. The end result of the game made it look closer than it ever felt while watching, but the Jags found themselves with the second-best record in the AFC. The Saints, meanwhile, are continuing to just be competitive enough that I can understand the hope, but realistically, they don't have a clear direction. Baltimore versus Detroit. Lamar Jackson made Den Campbell regret ever saying that they wouldn't pursue him in a trade. Lamar is probably playing the best ball he has since his MVP season, and the team is really starting to turn on the Jets with the new system on offense, and the defense starting to click. I don't think this will slow down Detroit all that much going forward, as this feels more like a random outing Next. than something to worry about. Chicago versus Las Vegas. Last year, Tyler Bagnett beat my alma mater, Division II State School Millersville University, in their homecoming game, and this year he got his first NFL win. Who would have thunk it? Obviously, the Raiders were also starting the backup quarterback, but at this point, in the season i've seen enough to know that Next. personally yeah okay whatever uh, <laughs> vegas sucks cleveland versus indianapolis some of the worst roughing i've ever seen in what was otherwise a really exciting game to watch another two teams starting the backup quarterbacks and it went down to the wire with a lot of incredible plays made on both sides the mvp has to go to miles garrett though you could argue won the game for them by creating a touchdown and being an absolute menace on the defensive end he has to be the leader Next. for defensive player of the year right now new england versus buffalo are the bills good i don't know I won't bother asking if New England is because we know they aren't, but they have the ability to win against a division rival any given week. Meanwhile, the Bills have struggled this season both on defense and with Josh Allen seemingly trying to give the game away on offense. They're obviously good, but the bar for them is different. Good really means are they competing for a Super Bowl? Stop. Next. Giants versus Washington. I don't know if I can think of anything that Daniel Jones does better than Tyrod Taylor outside of making money. Tyrod makes some great throws all around the field, including getting rookie Jalen Hyatt and new tight end Darren Waller involved. Giants can't possibly feel good about watching what he's doing compared to what we've seen from DJ this season. Next. Atlanta versus Tampa Bay. The Falcons are 12th in success rate this season, and I feel like I, and I still feel like Arthur Smith is a detriment to the team, even after a big divisional win. I don't know if it's because I play fantasy football or if it's because I recognize the town on the offense that seemingly goes unused on a week-to-week basis. I'm a simple man. I just like to see yes. the ball in the hands of the best players. 
Seattle versus Arizona. A big day for the rookies on Seattle's offense with Jackson, Smith, and Jigba and Jake Bobo each scoring touchdown. Notably, DK Metcalf didn't play, but it was nice to see both of them step up when given the opportunity, especially Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, who hadn't done much to this point. Meanwhile, the Cardinals' streak of impressive losses have kind of come to an end. They just kind of look nice. like a bad team. Pittsburgh versus the Rams. I truly don't know how the Steelers are four and two, other than how Mike Tomlin is a great coach. Every week I watch them, I feel disappointed inside only to see their record after they win. It's very confusing and frustrating again, knowing how much better they would be if they just got rid of Matt Canada. Meanwhile, Puka Nakua continues to impress on a weekly basis. Next. Denver versus Green Bay. The Packers offense is uh, ridiculously young, with their roster being the youngest in the league week one by a significant margin. That makes it even harder to really judge what we've seen from seven games of Jordan Love, even though it's his fourth season. This isn't unusual having a young offense, but having a fourth year quarterback with a seven game sample size is pretty different. Uh, Kansas City versus the Chargers, a classic Mahomes game throwing for 400 yards, four touchdowns, and with Travis Kelsey putting up a ridiculous stat line. The game was never really in doubt with the Chiefs reminding the Chargers they have a long way to go before they are challenging them for the NFC West throne. The Chargers have some soul-searching to do. Meanwhile, a Stalian Sissy will continue calling plays Next. for the struggling defense. Philadelphia versus Miami. Jalen Hurts has some of the weirdest and unluckiest turnovers I've seen this season. That's not to excuse his decision-making, which hasn't been great all the time, but it's significantly better than the counting stats probably show, with drops leading to interceptions or bouncing off helmets deflecting into defenders' arms. Meanwhile, the Dolphins were rocked by Sean Desai's undermanned defense. Minnesota versus San Francisco. Brock Purdy is crashing down to earth and doing it on a national stage by losing to primetime Kirk Cousins. The fact that he still has better MVP odds than his teammate CMC, who played incredibly well in this loss, is extremely stupid and frustrating. On the other hand, will these start a rebound of what was thought to be a lost season for the Vikings? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Also, I would like to point out, I did write that bit about... Oh, there he is. Yeah, that's... um. We've got a fellow undroppable in the chat. We didn't do last week, so he's making no. fun of our loss for the Jets this week. Um, he did not just throw another pick to the Jets. And by the way, like I said, only one of them was his fault. One of them, Dallas Goddard, just straight up dropped. And the other one, there was another one that was weird. I forget now, though. It's been two weeks. Uh, you sound I, like me making excuses for Daniel Jones for his some of his picks in the past. There was like there was like a good like four weeks where he had interceptions that were. Listen, he's not very good. You said it. No, he's not very um, good. But there was a like four weeks in the middle of last season that he threw a couple picks or the season before, and none of them were his fault, and it was so infuriating. Yeah, and yeah, I mean. That's football. Sometimes I get that. Mm -hmm. uh, Jalen Hurts is also the the pick he threw at the end of the Jets game was horrific. Never yeah. can throw that. That was terrible. Yeah. One of the worst yep. picks I've ever seen in a very big moment. Yeah. Uh, the the other ones they've just kind of been like, all right, well, what are you gonna do? Dallas Goddard literally caught it and then it just kind of fell out of his body yeah. into a defender. So, yeah. Yeah. Any um, specific games or anything you want to talk about real quick before we move on to our segment? Uh, I did. Um, the thing I said about Brock, I wrote about Brock Purdy and yeah. all that. I did write that before I knew that he had a concussion, seemingly for like mm -hmm. the second half of the game, uh, possibly. Uh, I don't know when that thing was, uh, that exact play that they believe he got the concussion on. But regardless, um, Trying to Either way, it's face. it's two weeks, and it was the first half. Of the, let's let's call it the <coughs> second half of the game. It was last week and this week for Brock Purdy, yep. and it does seem like the Niners are getting a little bit of a reality check. Yep. You and I have had conversations about how Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy is such a 
point of contention for a lot of people, whether he's an elite quarterback or what we determined to be a system quarterback in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, But to see that he is mortal the past two weeks has definitely been a shock for some. Yeah, some that weren't paying attention. <laughs> last um, week was his first regular season loss. It was the second. Oh, la- last week was. Last week. This week yes. was Yeah, second. sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to point out, I did not make that up about Tyler Bagnet. Um, he legitimately did. I thought it was Badgett. I don't It is Badgett. Badgett. I don't know what it is. I I spent the whole day calling it Baguette, so I've given up actually knowing what it was supposed to be. But he went to a Shepherd University, um, a Division II school, and he did, in fact, play. I'm trying to look if I can find like the exact thing, but he did stat line. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's postseason. Yeah, but he, he. Regardless, I'm not going to waste time doing it right now. Uh, but he, he, they were in the the PSAC. Um, so, yeah, just kind of crazy. He did legitimately come to Millersville, which, by the way, I saw my football team win about two football games in your four years. In my four years, yeah. Um, so it's it, it is it's also funny they're in West Virginia, but they compete as members of the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. Interesting. I didn't actually know that. Um, it's new, I guess, so that's why I didn't know that. But regardless, um, he now got a win in the NFL, so good for him. Couldn't, didn't, can't say I saw um, Former guest of the Undroppables playbook, Laura Oakman, was the sideline reporter for that game, and uh, she got to interview him after the game. I do recommend going to watch that it's a short little interview with him. It was uh, really, really cool. You know one of those moments where it's like, this is bigger than sports. This is life. Like the, the advice he's giving is about sports, but it's really good life advice. And, and that he's talking about, it's a really good interview. I recommend watching it. And I am now just realizing we skipped the whole injury report. So we're going to backtrack. We did. Um, Real. I'm going to fly through it. Injuries. Brown's quarterback Deshaun Watson exited the game with what seemed to be a concussion, but is out this week with, his shoulder still even though he was cleared to play and his shoulder was fine anyway pj walker will get the start for the browns this week giants quarterback daniel jones did not play this past week with his neck injury no word yet if they expect him to be back but him being out made tyrod taylor the first black coach to uh first black quarterback to win a game for the new york giants ever do you know what a nfl team has the most wins by black quarterbacks no it's Philadelphia Eagles. I figured once you asked me that question. Donovan was... McNabb, Randall Cunningham, Michael Vick, Jalen Harris. Nice. Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson, update. He had a successful surgery for his AC joint sprain in his throwing arm per Jim Irsay on Twitter. Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill is on track to miss this week with the ankle injury he got in week five. Will Levis is expected to make his NFL debut. Bears quarterback Justin Fields is doubtful to play again this week against the Chargers with his thumb injury that had sidelined him this past week. Tyler Badgett will get the start again. Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray was activated off of IR for the ACL tear he got at the end of last year and was a full participant in practice this week. Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence is dealing with a knee injury that had him wearing a brace on Thursday night football. He is questionable for this week, but seems to be trending towards playing. I do believe that's just an injury designation because he was limited in practice today which people often are Niners quarterback Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol 
for the Dolphins, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert are all questionable and did not practice today. The key one here is Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill missed practice today with a reported rib injury. What I want to point out is Tua's comments afterwards to reporters. Tua said, quote, if we couldn't have Tyreek, that would be tough. But the show goes on. Somewhere down the line, we're going to get Tyreek back. The phrasing of somewhere down the line is obviously not the best indicator. He may be hinting at, at Tyreek Hill missing some time. Niners wide receiver D- Debo Samuel is expected to miss the next two weeks with a hairline fracture in his shoulder. And Chiefs linebacker Nick Bolton has a wrist injuries that is expected to need surgery and sideline him for months. You deleted the whole thing here about, uh, I did want to mention Dawson Knox, who had a wrist injury, needed surgery, and is out indefinitely. Yeah, I I, del- I did delete that. Okay. You, did well, you, that. you said it anyway, so <laughs> don't know why I had to bring up that I deleted it. Um, and also, that's our injury report. I was wrong. It was actually Shepard's homecoming, and oh. Millersville went to West Virginia, and gotcha. they lost 55 to 17. So nice. I had that backwards as to who's home. Do you have a stat line for that game? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Let me see if I can find it. Well, why don't we get started on our segment? One of my favorite segments of the year. It is the NFL coaches hot seat episode where we get to talk about who is getting their tissues a little warm. Yeah, it wasn't their that good, are on the line. 23 for 36, 275 yards, two picks, two touchdowns. Yeah. Not, not that, very not nice that intro impressive. into the segment, and then you find the, the stat he did have, he did have 50. He did have 57 rushing yards on nine oh. attempts. So. Kind of like Justin Fields. Yeah. I also I don't know why they're in the PSAC. It's all Pennsylvania schools and then <laughs> West Virginia's Shepherd University. So whatever. Okay. I will reintroduce the segment. Okay. It is the coach's hot seat episode where we get to talk about who in the NFL had coach wise has a, a little bit of a warm tush. Their seat is getting hot. Their job may be on the line. Conversations are being had. So we have three categories. Well, technically four. We're not going to talk about our first category, which is people who are definitely safe. We don't even really need to mention their names. You know who they are. See, the people Next. want more PSAC, Ashley. Oh my God. The comments demand more PSAC. Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. I, I do get that. I see that. Exactly, um, baby. Our next category is people we put in the yellow who would be classified as like they're having conversations about their jobs, but we consider them to be fairly set for this season. Orange yeah. means they're getting pretty warm and red means their seats on fire. I would like to point out that with the most obvious color scheming in the world, Ashley started this process by labeling someone green. <laughs> okay. Not really My... sure what that was going to mean. No, no, don't don't try and defend it. You just you've colored him green. Okay. My apologies to the hot seat color. It's just, it's just me. Scheme. You just, just apologize to me. Apologize, there, Michael P. Duncan. I am very Thank sorry. You. You're Thank welcome. You. Appreciate it. Do we want to start with the people we have put in the yellow? Yeah, I think we can kind of just run down that list pretty quickly. Um, okay. I don't think we have to spend as much time talking about them. Okay. So first is first-year head coach for the Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, who came from Philly. Obviously, the Cardinals were not expected to do too much this year, but I think he's kind of on that list after several losses, even though they were expected to not be great. Also, he was put yeah. on the list specifically for the, do you have fire in your belly? 
Yeah, I think what it really comes down for me with Jonathan Gannon is like there's still definitely a chance he loses his job, even though he was definitely put in the position where they yes. could not have realistically expected them to compete. Yep. Um, I think it comes down to like, are they going to like at the end of the season? Do they like what they saw from him from a leadership perspective, from like mm-hmm. just a coach perspective, um, like the leader of men type of thing more so than yep. the play calling gain scheming thing? Because they just don't have many good players. Um, yep. So that's why it's yellow. Uh, he seems to have them playing pretty hard, but he's just such an awkward dude. Like pew pew pew, fire in your belly. Did you take the bus to work today? To like work today. professional NFL players, <laughs> probably, probably not. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that that's why he's on the list. And I think that's why it's hard for us to grasp. Like, yeah, leader of men because like it's it's cheesy and like. And not cheesy in a good way, because there is cheesy no. in a good way, and it's not that. Like, like weird, like very yeah. quirky guy. So his players may love it, but from an outsider looking in, it's like very like I would have felt uneasy in that yeah. meeting. Yeah. Next, Panthers head coach Frank Reich, who also was kind of not given the best playing field, like the the best starting position. Yeah. There we go. You know, like. He started out a little bit. Well, especially with the uh, the things that are being reported about whether or not the coaches wanted to draft Bryce Young. Yes. There's been a lot of rumors and thoughts put out there that ownership wanted Bryce Young. The coaches wanted CJ Stroud. Obviously, Bryce Young ended up being picked. Mm-hmm. Um, so... All that to be said that I don't think Frank Reich goes from head coach, head coaching job to head coaching job, gets mm-hmm. brought in with a new rookie quarterback to get fired after a bad year when your Agreed. team is pretty garbage and you're okay. actively trying to sell your other good players. So, yeah. Completely agree. Next is Bengals head coach Zach Taylor, who obviously has performed well with the team in the past few seasons, but after a really rough start for the Bengals, questions started to rise about him in general, him being a leader, him being able to make tough calls on like if Joe Burrow should have been playing, which I know ownership kind of got involved in those conversations too. They were often seen hanging around practice and talking to Joe Burrow, but that's kind of when the questions around Zach Taylor started to start. Both of us see him having his seat for the next season for the, through the end of this season, but we just want to point him out as being yellow given some of the choices that were made at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I mean, they ha- it's tough because they haven't been impressive. They're 21st no. in overall DVOA. They're 23rd in offensive DVOA on the season. They haven't been good, but all that to be said, they're 3-3. Three and three. They're still in the race mm-hmm. for a wild card to get into the playoffs. Joe Burrow's been hurt. They've got all the excuses in the world as to, and yep. T. Higgins is hurt. They've got all the excuses in the world for the reasoning that it's they're kind of just going to give him a pass, even if it's yeah. a lost season. Uh, which I think is really what it comes down to. So, yep. that's, you know. Agreed. Next is Broncos' brand new head coach that they traded for, Sean Payton. The Broncos are very similar to what they were last year, are disappointing everybody who had expectations for them. Sean Payton obviously and they're was doing traded. A fire sale. Yeah. And um, Sean Payton was obviously the rarity that we see a trade happen for a head coach, which yeah. is why you and I kind of have him in the yellow rather than the orange, because I think if they just hired him, they might 
It's Sean Payton, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing, too, is like. No, they're not. They're, they're not going to fire him. It, it, it's, no. it's it's yellow because they've been horrible. They've been yeah. one of the most embarrassing teams in the NFL, I yeah. think, from all perspectives. But it's a brand new owner. The brand new owner went out and got himself Sean Payton. Sean Payton is Sean Payton. Everyone knows who he is. Regardless the name of and the name here. means something. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And they're middle of the road when it comes to their offense, uh, offensive DVOA, but they're dead last in defense. Like there, there, there is a clear problem with this team. They're starting a mm-hmm. fire sale. I don't think they're going to do a fire sale if they weren't planning on bringing their coach back because the coach yeah. would probably be upset. Like they have to kind of get approval when you get a big name like that. It's yeah. Otherwise you lose the yeah. locker room. You lose the coaches. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So he, he won't get fired, but there are questions as to whether or not this is his fault. That's yeah. For sure. And they may, st- it may be one of those things that yes, it may be his fault, but they're going to keep your eye out on skill position, coaches, coordinator, Defensive coaches, coordinator defensive coordinator will get fired to yeah to see those people be let go in hopes of being able to spark some new life into these areas where it's needed um next on our yellow list is green bay packers head coach matt lafleur who like you said have has at least in week one the youngest roster in the nfl a quarterback who's still brand new to starting in the nfl i will say what are your thoughts on why he's yellow? Um, I mean, I, I I debated putting him in the he's totally safe category, but mm-hmm. I think there's always the chance that if things really blow up, if Jordan Love is even worse than expected, there's a chance yeah. they just kind of start fresh with a new quarterback. Um, but I don't really foresee that happening. I think at worst that's a year away. So yeah, I think he is very much safe for how good he's performed for Green Bay. I think that's earned him a little leniency. Uh, Next, I'm just putting this one on here. It came out on Sunday morning, I believe from Adam Schefter, that in the offseason, the Patriots very quietly signed a lucrative deal with Bill Belichick to stay head coach for the next couple of years. So if that news wasn't there, he would be in a much different category. But because of that brand new news, he's in the yellow. Bill Belichick, the GM, he should be in the red. Yeah. Oh, well. Next is Giants head coach Brian Dable. The team obviously underperforming. I think this is a situation where we might see uh, like an offensive coordinator or a skill position. Ben Johnson with the offensive line get fired. But I think Brian Dable C is very safe. Yeah. I mean, he's coming off a coach of the year thing. I I think it's. We've talked a lot about the Giants and how they're so kind much. of mismanaging everything. And I don't think mm-hmm. Brian Dable is the only problem. I don't think he's necessarily scot-free, though. I don't like the news coming out about the way that he's been approaching handling his coaches and uh, mm-hmm. running certain meetings and like just micromanaging everything. I get it from the point of view of like things are going wrong. But at the same time, if you're not showing confidence in the people that you employ, then yeah. What do you really expect to happen? Well, a lot of people sparked conversation too after he like got into it with with Tyrod Taylor on the sideline yeah. after that after they checked out of that RPO against the Bills in yeah. the first half and ran the clock out. He like was like screaming at Tyrod, which is a coach. I don't think you can be soft. Like he's arguing with this one of sees this guy's coach, but I'm just saying it sparked conversation on the interwebs. 
Um, next is Buccaneers head coach Todd Bowles, who in the Vegas likes to get fired right now, apparently. We see him in the yellow. I think they're Buccaneers overall are overperforming with not as much talent as they as people who are performing at their level, I should say. Um, they obviously have talent in Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Vita Vea, and Baker Mayfield talent now. So I think it's crazy that Todd Bowles is that high in Vegas's eyes, but I think it's just because they're coming off of two losses. Yeah, I could see it happening, but I don't think they had the expectations going into the season for mm-hmm. much else. Yeah. So I think they're overperforming, and that's a hard thing to fire a coach around. Yeah. And our last candidate in the yellow category is Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. Your thoughts? Um, Titans have no clue what they're doing, but Mike Vrabel's <laughs> a very good head coach. So I kind of uh, just think that he'll probably stay there. Anytime we like have a conversation about organizations or like overall well-being of teams and we get to the titans we both sit here and say they have no idea what they are i think they finally realized though by trading kevin byard and the way they're talking about draft capital and stuff i think they finally figured it out hopefully it goes well for them and it's not too late for them to actually receive assets for guys like derrick henry deandre hopkins just gonna say he is a name that has has consistently been on like this guy could be traded lists for the entirety of the season but the rumors are starting to get a little bit more frequent with the trade deadline looming, which often can be an indicator of something happening. Just a matter of who's going to give up some picks. All right. Next category is the orange people who see getting a little warm, a little uncomfortable for them, uh, but not fully in the hot seat yet. We're going to start out with your favorite guy, the Atlanta Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith. Yeah, he's one of those guys that I, 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 I said a little, a little bit during the 15-second frenzy, like, he's winning games, and that's great. I hate him. I just don't mm-hmm. like him as a person. Every time he talks, he's either so cocky that I just want to, like, I'm trying to think of, like, things that wouldn't get me, like, flagged as, like, a, a, a scary threat or something. Um, you have I just to see want... the things that's like, I wish both sides of its pillow were warm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I I'm wish not good at thinking about when he though. reaches for like a cold drink in a fridge. It actually was just put in there and it's warm. Yeah, I hope all of those things happen to him all the time. Yeah. And I, I like I've been debating this internally a lot because I don't I'm, I'm sure it's partly because I play fantasy football and I like these players. Mm-hmm. But also, I like I said, I'm a simple man. I put like the ball in your offensive playmakers hands. The Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, my pride and joy. I think Nick Sariani is an awesome coach. It's very frustrating when he goes out of his way to put the ball in Quez Watkins or Kenny Gainwell's hands. He goes out of his way to do it. That's a waste of a, you know, of a um a man uh, manufactured touch. Manufactured touches for AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, and Dallas Goddard and DeAndre Swift. Manufactured touches for Drake London, Bijan Robinson, and Kyle Pitts. Do not manufacture touch- touches for Johnu Smith. Tyler Algier and Matt Collins. And I'm a Matt Collins fan. Um, they might win the division and it's going to be hard to fire a coach if they win the division, but gosh, darn it. Yeah. I think they should remember when in like week two, I was like, he's still on the Tyler Algier experiment. And you were like, no, you're no, it's not the Tyler Algier experiment is over. 
it's not over. That he has plans for Tyler Algier, and obviously not their first draft pick, Michelle Robinson. No, um, I see. I actually I disagree with that. I think I was right about that because he his workload went down significantly. It's just the whole injury thing from this past week is what Tyler Algier had a lot of work again. I still think he has. He's very much trying to make it a thing. Um, yeah, Arthur Smith. I think a huge point here too is that I. I genuinely think his fan base is going to turn on him. Um, I think he's very much alienating and talking. I don't know how it is in more private circles, but in all the videos I see of Arthur Smith, it's like he's talking down to everyone. Um, oh, all the time. That's what I mean. I, he's not a likable guy at all. No. And I think you're going to end up alienating your fan base. And if you're underperforming and alienating your fan base, you're not marketable. Yeah. And they're not going to like that in a franchise that's trying to build um, and grow in a market that can become more saturated. Like, like yeah. they're hungry for football. And Georgia is always hungry for football. So they, you have to have a likable guy at the helm. If you're losing, like if you're winning and the guy's unlikable, fine. Because at least we're winning. You can't have both. Yes, Abe, the Falcons are in first place right now, which is why he's orange and not red. And I said it's hard to fire him if he wins the division. But, like, yes. comparing to Nick Sirianni, I'm going to do it again. People that aren't Eagles fans hate Nick Sirianni. Yes, very But much. guess what? Eagles fans freaking love him. And that's what matters. If Falcons mm -hmm. fans are willing to go to bat for this dude and everyone else hates him, fine. So be it. He's mm -hmm. not likable. So no. that's an, that impacts it, especially because you're not settled at the quarterback position. That's always yeah. such an important thing. Uh, if you're going to, if you're going to trade up, trade assets, future assets to draft a Drake mm -hmm. May or a Caleb Williams, I'd be much more likely to fire Arthur Smith and go get a 100%. quarterback, coach, head coach guy. So whatever. Hundred percent. Then the head and head coach and quarterback are so linked together. Like if you yeah. see people move on from a quarterback, they often tend not often, but many times often move on from a head coach at the same time. On to our next guy, Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski. I want to know where you sit on this one. Eh, he's really close <laughs> to yellow. It's not really his fault. Yeah. Everything kind of is just going to the shitter around him. Yeah, it always happens. Like in, in the just, Browns, someone gets put there and it always happens. Around. Like I think they're doing a good job overall. They've been they've been fine. Yeah. PJ Walker is playing better than I thought he would. The offense has been putting up points. The offense has been pretty well. The Deshaun defense Watson. is stellar. Yeah, and that's Jim Schwartz. He's just killing it right now. Um, he's making a defensive player of the year candidate of Miles Garrett. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I oh, lean more. Honestly, I think he probably should be in yellow, but everything with the Browns is so tough to tell what's going on all the time that I think everyone there is perpetually in the orange. No one's ever really yeah. safe because they always have things going wrong and they're always willing to pull the trigger and fire someone. I also think the what's Except going on with Deshaun, with Deshaun Watson and the injury issues right now and trying to figure out how to phrase this the like public outrage and question marks i guess surrounding what's happening because like he had the shoulder injury and then he was yeah. fine and then they claimed it was a different injury and now they're claiming it's the shoulder injury again it's bringing up a lot of question marks and i don't doubt that if this keeps going off of the rails that it will be pinned on kevin stefanski i don't necessarily know that they will pin it on because it's not the, because it's so medically focused that's like the one thing the head coach can't control and doesn't control um and also but just, I'm just, saying, like, in is just general, so like if everything like starts him. to derail 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think he's more uh-huh. yellow than orange. I'm pretty sure I, I put agree. him in orange, but yeah, here we are. Next um, is someone who has lived in this orange-red category. Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy, who has cycled through some coordinators who we've had in the seat on fighter category at the end of last year and is still here this year on fire. What do you think? He's a, he's a bad coach. (laughs) He's he's like, there's no redeeming qualities. I don't get it. He's not a good play caller. His offense is stale, boring and uninventive. Um, he clearly did not spend his off season that one time watching every single play of every single game or whatever the heck he claimed that one year that he took off from football. That like, was wild. He just, he, he wants to run the, he wants to live in like 2004. Mm-hmm. And he's that like, he, he can't make up for the deficiencies that they have on offense, particularly the offensive line. He's going to run Tony Pollard into the ground because Tony Pollard is on pace to have more touches than he's ever had in a single season ever in college or the NFL. And he's not a good game manager either. He makes bad decisions consistently in terms of um, management, clock management, going forward in certain situations versus kicking field goals. He he brings nothing to the table. He brings nothing to the table. So it's that simple for me. Agreed. Um, Saints head coach Dennis Allen, who's obviously had a rough go of it in the or the Saints organization as a whole, should have has had a rough go of it recently. They obviously traded for Derek Carr recently. I think he's another one that I don't know. We had him in this category last year. I just don't know that he's showing enough to keep his job in an offense that they're trying to grow and who that has a new quarterback that they traded for. Yeah, they kind of remind me of like a less exciting Titans in that I'm yes. just not really sure what they're doing. They yep. made their front office makes very questionable choices like, you know, Dude. trading trading up and trading future picks to get Chris Olave. And now the Eagles Did have I a first send round you... pick turned into Jalen Carter and a second round pick this year. And it just doesn't make sense. Um, but I also don't think that honestly, I don't think they're going to fire him. No. Because and I, I see Saints. him in the yellow, though. Why in the orange, though? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. subjectively. I need to see later on if I sent you that thread about their money, about what the Saints have done with their money and their cap hits and all of this with the Derek Carr stuff. I'm going to see if I can find that after. Um, no. Last in the orange category is Jets head coach. In the orange category. Where? Oh, I did miss one. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just do the one I was just saying, and then we'll jump back. Uh, Jets head coach Robert Sala, who seat felt really hot for a little while there, with tensions rising in the locker room after Aaron Rodgers went down. I don't think this dude gets fired. I think they're just gonna chalk up some of the issues this year with the team was recovering after Aaron Rodgers only played four snaps after investing in him in our entire off season. But I do think he's going to be under a little bit more of a microscope performance-wise next season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to think about the Jets. It's just tough when you lose your the guy that you traded everything for four weeks into the season. I think it completely – or four plays into the season, not four weeks. Yep. I think it completely comes down to whether or not he has control of the locker room and whether or not the locker yes. room respects him at the end of the season. I think that's what it comes Agreed. down to. I think it's that's Agreed. Simple. It doesn't really and- matter what the on-field product looks like to me. Agreed. Um, and last for real this time is Vikings head coach, Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. I think it kind of depends on whether or not they want to tear everything down and start over. 
Um, Kirk Cousins is an, is a pending free agent. Justin Jefferson didn't want to sign a long-term deal because he doesn't know what the future of the quarterback position is. Um, they're not good this year. Their defense is pretty terrible across the board. So, yeah, I don't think he gets fired because I think they mm-hmm. like him and he's still relatively new there. Um, like I, I want to say this is only a second year, but I could be wrong. I could be second a year, year off. He came from the Rams. Yeah. Is it only a second year? I think it's a second. It was the year the Rams won the Super Bowl. So, right? yeah. Yeah. This would be yeah, a second two year. Years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there you go. Uh, this is the second year as a head coach. I don't think he gets fired because I think they still like him mm-hmm. and I think they still like that higher, but um again whenever a team is going through that much of a transition there's always the there's always the chance yep their seat will always get elevated up to the orange category all right on to our red hot booty on fire let's do bears head coach matt eberflus yeah i mean these are somewhat like the least exciting to talk about. We have four of them and we've talked about them before and they're just obvious. Mm -hmm. The bears have been, they've been stepping it up recently. I'll give them that, but they've also been a complete and total mess all season. Um, there's been questions about maximizing Justin Fields' talent. Yeah, I really have a hard time thinking that Matt Eberflus is going to coach himself into saving his job. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess there's a possibility if they continue on the path that they've been on these last two weeks that maybe I'm not counting on it, but I guess there's theoretically a chance, but I there's always theoretically a chance, yeah. but I don't I don't think they're going they need to see where they can reach with Justin Fields. And I yeah. don't think they're going to be comfortable with what they find because I think his ceiling is much higher than Eberflus and the current staff is allowing it to be. Yeah, and it also depends what pick they get. 100%, which so. currently they have one and two. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, we've talked about Eberflus a bunch. We can move on to someone else we've talked about a bunch, Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. I, I kind of think that he's my odds-on favorite to be the first one fired. Him okay. or one of the other two people we're going to talk about. But yep. I just... When you have a quarterback as good as Justin Herbert, when you've put so much money into this team in terms of big name free agents, you've got the pieces and you're just not winning and you continuously lose in the same exact way. That screams, we're going to fire you early on and we're going to see if the guy that we have, Kellen Moore, probably would be, I think a lot of people's pick to be the interim head coach. We're going to see if he can take us on a run. Because yeah. we can still theoretically save this season by making a wild card spot uh, with all the talent that we have. That's why I kind of think he's going to be the first one fired because I think there's still, you can still okay. get something out of that season mm-hmm. and by firing your head coach, which typically is not the case. And I do think the money plays a huge factor in this one. Money always plays a factor, yep. but the amount of money and time that they've invested into this team. There's no going back. Giant contract. They're reaching a cliff with some of the players, like, and they're gonna have to like paddle or jump off the boat. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
I'll save my favorite for last. We'll do Commanders head coach Ron Rivera, who has lived in this red category for the past couple of years. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get fired. It's he's a brand new fired. owner. The only reason he yep, didn't get fired was because there was no reason for Dan Schneider to fire him and then pay his contract when he was planning on selling the team. Like, yep, there's no point in it whatsoever. He's gonna get fired in the offseason. I would be willing to bet anyone a dollar because I I don't I don't have that much money, but I would bet anyone a dollar that he would the get simple fired. Math, the simple math equation is new organization plus bad record equals new fired head coach. New organization. <laughs> sorry, but sorry. Yeah. New new ownership plus bad record and bad football equals fired head coach. That yeah. is Ron Rivera. I would just Sadly, be, I love I the guy. I love the guy, but it's it's time they got to move on they are starting a new era of washington football so Wahoo. i think they're gonna start that with, with um with a new head coach my favorite to get fired early on and eh, more than i think about it you might be convincing me otherwise but my favorite definitely to get fired is las vegas raiders head coach josh mcdaniels do you want to tell me why oh you want me to talk i was i was gonna have you talk okay he was he's my he's my second favorite co-favorite whatever uh mm-hmm. to be the first fired um because i just uh, what does he bring to the table what does he Nothing. bring to the table the, this team is terrible a bunch of war stories about his time with bill belichick yeah i the team is terrible i can't imagine that people like him as a person um i like i haven't i don't think i've ever seen i i don't think i've seen things that are particularly like oh he's a you know a hard to be around in the locker room but like I don't hear positive things. You've got people openly no. questioning stuff in the media. Their offense is underperforming. They've got Devontae Adams. They've got Josh Jacobs. Jimmy Garoppolo is a workable quarterback, and they yeah. just suck. Like, I yep. just, I don't, what's he doing? I don't. Does he call plays? I assume so, but I can't guarantee that. Uh, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. All right. So, what I was going to say is, I think the play calling in general has been trash. I think the scheming, like, the broader picture not just the play calling the offensive scheme has been bad Devonte adams is like openly opening openly questioning what they're doing like yeah, he calls plays. on on social media and to the regular media um and i think this loss to the bears that's uh, a big one to Padgett, they, they just got they got boat raced it wasn't even close. oh my god to the so bears. bad and i understand it was like the a duel between backup quarterbacks, but you should have came out on top and you didn't. Yep. Without yep. Justin Fields on the Bears, you and I'm, this is no knock on Tyler Badgett. Without Justin Fields on the field for the Bears, you are better. And you should even with Brian Hoyer, you should have won that game handedly and you didn't. Yep. And that is a huge thing. If you're in the head people of this organization, you're looking down and say, this guy couldn't beat that team. And to me, that's a huge, huge mark on his record. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, we're heading into week eight. There are no buys this week. There are no buys this week. Yeah. Very weird. We got like six teams on by in one week and then, no teams on by this week they should just like ah piss me off anyway we got some bad primetime games this week why but i love football no actually you get a break from the giants in primetime 
Yay. Yay. They tried to sell the game they had in, in regular time. So be mm-hmm. very grateful you don't have to watch any more New York Giants. Michael Duncan, yeah. why don't you tell us where we can find you? Uh, in a corner, watching <laughs> the World Series, crying, dancing on my own uh, with tears running down my face. Uh, Who do you got? I don't care. <laughs> Could not care less. Sorry, Just- it, like if it was if it was the Astros, I'd root against the Astros. Otherwise, couldn't care less. Okay. Yeah, I just don't care. I hope they both lose, and I hope the Sixers forget that the season starts and they don't play. Okay. Um, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at mpduncan75. You can find me Sunday mornings on the fantasy football chat start sit show starting at eleven thirty Eastern time, uh, and yeah. Awesome. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley underscore Marie with two A's and Ashley. Me, Duncan, the entire Undroppables crew in our premium Discord channels, which you can get access to by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Undroppables. Lots of good stuff going on in there right now. Uh, Our resident betting experts will give you all of the picks if you become a patron. You get to ask all of your fantasy advice. You get to talk to Michael P. Duncan. So become a patron. And yeah, you can find us here live 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday nights or the following day, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We thank you very much much for joining us tonight. We hope to see you next week for our week eight recap. And yeah, thanks. Have a great night. Bye, everyone. Go birds. Bye.